Welcome to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we'll hear from lead pastor Dave Carroll as he teaches the next message in our series, Dropkick Me Jesus Through the Goalposts of Life. Let's join him now. Now have you ever had that moment where you lost something that was pretty important and you couldn't find it? Uh, I don't know, it might have been an engagement ring down the drain, a wedding ring, you know, it might have been... Uh, you know, the, the list your wife gave you to the grocery store uh, and you lost it and you had to call back or maybe you didn't get something you needed. Um, I've lost some important things in my life, but can I tell you just two or three weeks ago, I had one of those parental horror moments uh, when the last cold front came through. Um, he was at it again, bless his heart, my youngest son Briggs. Um, I turned around and I was watching the kids because Amy was out. And uh, here I am, the responsible dad at this point, right? Four boys. I've been at this almost 12 years of parenthood. I should know what I'm doing. But I turn around and I, and I say, hey, Briggs, Briggs, come here. And I realize there's, there's no answer. And so all of a sudden I'm thinking there's a cold front. He's locked himself outside. I've, done, I've been here and done this before. I'm going to go outside and look for him. Well, I go outside. He's nowhere to be found. At this point I'm thinking if I call Amy, I'm in big trouble, okay? <laughs> I'm in big trouble. I spent 15 minutes, 15 minutes, looking everywhere I could. I even got in the car, drove around the neighborhood, looking for Briggs, only to have him at the end of the 15 minutes when I walked back in the house. When I say, Briggs, are you here? He goes, yes. <laughs> and, and, and I'm thinking, where did that yes come from? It came somewhere. I walk in his room, and I'm tracking the voice down slowly. I'm, I'm walking into the room. Briggs, yes. I'm looking at his bed. He's not there. Look on Dax's bed, not there. I thought I had looked under his bed. But there was Briggs popping from underneath a blanket, underneath his bed. And he says, I'm right here. It took you a long time. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you don't know the pain that I was about to endure, kid. You don't get it. You don't understand the agony I would have gone through had I lost you. But you know, God can seem a lot like that, can he? He's right there. He's in the pre your presence. He's definitely there and he exists. But yet, sometimes we ask the question in this life, God, where are you? Where are you, God? Don't you see where I am in my life? Don't you see what's happening to me? Don't you see my pain? Don't you see my hurt? Don't you see my needs? Don't you see what's happening in this relationship? Don't you see how my life is falling apart? And you say, God, where are you? And we get so angry because we're scared. We can't find God. But here's the truth about God that you can take home today. He is always here. He never leaves. He never fails. He's God. And this beatitude today in Matthew chapter 5 gives us the key to being able to see God because he's there. But many times we're looking for him and asking for him and searching for him. And we don't find him and we go, why is this happening? This beatitude tells us this. Look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. Say this part with me, for they shall see God. Wow. 
People who are pure in heart never have to ask God, where are you? They know right where he is. But a pure heart is hard, isn't it? You know, remember how last week we said that mercy was the tangible evidence. When we show mercy to someone, it's the tangible evidence of the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When we show mercy, we understand that God has given us grace and we do it uh, here on earth. We issue that mercy because we understand grace. But this beatitude right here, here's your first blank, is the tangible evidence of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Remember how we talked about the first uh, four Beatitudes, right? They're kind of spiritual. They're character-oriented. A little bit hard to grab a hold of because they're inward. But these next um, two and the last one, the, these, this um, thing of three, these are tangible things we could do in the Beatitudes. And so if we want to show God that we're hungering and thirsting for his righteousness, we have to pursue Pureness in heart. Now, here's a great definition for purity, and here's the goal of purity. The goal of purity is for my heart to produce a constant outflow of action aligned with God's word. That's why we sang about it today. The goal of purity is that there's a constant outflow of action that's aligned with God's word. How many of you wish that every time your kids gave you a hard time and life squeezed you, that you could respond like Polly Purebred. Oh, that's okay, Johnny, right? I, yeah, I love you anyway, even though you're ruining my life today. <laughs> How many of you wish that you could do that? But it's hard because our heart isn't pure. It's hard when life squeezes us to have our actions perfectly align with the word of God. That's difficult, isn't it? But here's the thing. Many times we see it as this big, giant task that can never happen, so we quit. But here's what I want to tell you today, and you may want to write, write this down even though it's not on the notes. God wants your small places today. God wants your small places. I'm talking about the ones that no one knows about or the ones that you've stopped caring about and said, oh, that's just kind of who I am. That's how I'm wired. This is how I act. And, and maybe it's an impure area that you're letting go, God wants it today. He wants it. Now, before we set the stage for how to be pure of heart, <clears throat> I want to look at the blessing of Jesus. How many of you would agree Jesus is a blessing? He is a blessing. And uh, I want to I show you back in Leviticus chapter 16, verses 4 through 10, what they used to have to do for purity before Jesus um, came, stepped from heaven, became a man, lived a perfect sinless life, died on a cross, and rose again. There was this big ritual that used to have, have to happen, and it involved two goats. Here in Leviticus 16, um, God is prescribing to Israel how the whole nation would be pure. Um, for those of you who are new to the Bible, this, it may take some time to hear this and understand it, but that's okay. For those of you who are old uh, Bible junkies, you'll probably enjoy this part right here. Um, there was in the Old Testament a day called the Day of Atonement. This was a very important day. It was the 10th day of the seventh month of the religious calendar for the Jewish people. The 10th day of the seventh month of the religious calendar for the Jews. That would, that would land in our fall, like September, October. And this one day a year, the entire nation would look forward to it for one reason. Back before Jesus, this was the only day of the year that their sin would be forgiven and they could go clean. Think about this with me for a second. 
What if there were only one day a year that you could be considered clean before God? And you had to show up that day, you had to participate, and then only one guy, the high priest, in this case it was Aaron, could walk in. Only one guy could walk in and do business for you. How many of you want someone else doing your business with God right now? Doesn't sound very fun, does it? Well, this is what's happening, and this is one of the pieces of the process that they had to go through on this one day. Uh, We know it now as Yom Kippur. When you hear Yom Kippur, that's the Day of Atonement uh, back for the Hebrews. And here in Leviticus chapter 16, look at verse 4. We're going to pick up where God has already established that Aaron will be the one, that's Aaron, the brother of Moses, will be the one to walk into the holy place of the temple and do business for the entire nation of Israel so that they could be clean. Hey, how many of you so far that are tracking with me are going, I'm glad we're out of that system, right? I'm, I'm glad we're out of that system. It's like, uh, you know, horse and buggy. I'm so glad that's done. You know what I'm saying? I like my car. And so here's what happens. In verse 4, we pick it up with what Aaron is supposed to wear, but then we're going to get into these two goats. And yes, we get to talk about goats today, and that rocks. And so verse 4 of Leviticus 16 says this, He shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. Praise the Lord for that. He shall be girded with linen sash, and with linen turban he shall be attired. These are the holy garments. Therefore, he shall wash his body in water, and he'll put them on. So he takes the shower, right? He puts the prescribed clothes on, and he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel, this is why I love the New King James Version and why we read it, two kids. Now, if you stop there, it gets really rough, right? Some of you are saying, hey, I have a couple I'd offer up right now. You shall take two kids, but sorry, not people, of the goats, As a sin offering. So there's two young goats as a sin offering. One ram as a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin of offering, which is for himself. And he'll make atonement, which by the way, the word atonement, you may want to write this in your Bible. It simply means this, to satisfy or to reconcile. To satisfy or to reconcile. You know, sometimes we we come across big words in the Bible and we, let, we leave them be. But this one is important because it satisfies the wrath of God for the payment of sin. And so he had to make atonement for himself and for his house. Now listen to this. This is what happens. If you've, uh, if you've, lost, if you've lost me to this point, here's what's happening. Aaron's a priest. He's the only one allowed to go to the holiest place of the temple. He puts on his clothes that God told him. He goes, he gets two young goats. And he's about to do something with each of these goats. Here we pick it up and we're almost done with Leviticus. And you can tell someone, we study Leviticus at our church, right? You might be the only one in all of Billings this week who can say that. Verse 7, and he shall take two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. So are you you getting this? One goat becomes barbecue. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. Here's the picture 
of a clean, of a clean heart here in the Old Testament. This is what they went through. They would go through all this religious attire, all these religious practices. They would put a bull, sprinkle the blood because there is no forgiveness without what? The shedding of, of blood. And so they would go through these practices, but then they came to these goats, which was the great picture of purity. One goat had to die so that forgiveness could happen, so that God's holy wrath could be satisfied. It was the payment of sin. But one goat got to go, symbolizing the new purity found in God. And today, can I tell you, that the sin in your life, it has to go. It has to go. It has to die. And you know what has to run free in your life? Is the freedom found in Jesus Christ. Isn't there a great blessing in Jesus that we're not dependent on that kind of system anymore? That we don't have to go uh, to the, we don't have to go to the, to, to, to Israel, to Jerusalem, and wait on one guy to come back so that we could be pure? No. Here's what we know. In Exodus chapter 26, verse uh, 33, when they were building a temple, there was this thing called the veil. But praise the Lord, in Matthew chapter 27, and verse 51, when Jesus died, what tore in the temple? The veil. The veil tore. And when the veil tore, it means that we have a new relationship with God, which here is a great truth today as we talk about being pure in heart. Here's your next blank. Continuous renewal. Continuous renewal is now possible in Jesus Christ. Look at Titus chapter 3, verse 5. It says this, that God saved us not because of works done in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration. You may ask, and you're new to the scriptures or you're new to the faith or maybe you've never been taught, what is regeneration? It simply means this. You can write it in your Bible. New birth. It's kind of like John chapter three when Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We must be born again. And if you've come to Jesus Christ, I have good news for you. You are born again. You are regenerated. If you're asking the question, well, I don't know, is that me? But here's, here's what's, what's really cool about being born again. It says, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Here is the point. The day you came to Jesus Christ, God put a new desire in your heart, in your life. There is something new that you live for. But here is what didn't happen at salvation. God did not take away your flesh nature. Anybody still have a flesh nature in the room? Anybody still struggling? Yeah, even after you come to Jesus hoping it would be the magic pill and you're still struggling, well, this is why you have two natures that are at war with each other. You have this newness in Christ that you've been regenerated, you've been born again with new desires, but yet you have the old flesh nature. And, but there is the possibility to be continually renewed. Can I tell you today, no matter how dirty your life is, everybody hear me on this, no matter what's happened in your past that just eats at you every day, no matter what, you, what you've done to someone you love, no matter what someone you love has done to you, no matter how dirty your life has gotten, can I tell you the great hope of Jesus Christ? You can be pure again. You can be pure. It can be clean. 
And it happens because of the blessing of Jesus. We no longer have to do religious junk. Now we have to let Jesus do his work in our lives. And so let's talk about the aim of purity. Here is the beatitude. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, but there's an aim for they will see God. Can I tell you today, God can really be known. We live in a world where everyone is trying to make up their own God, but scripture clearly says that God reveals himself in the Bible and he can be known. He can show his character. We can know where he comes from in every situation. And can I tell you today, some of us are looking for God to fix our problems when really our first aim, hear me on this, this is important. Our first aim should be to see God, not for God to fix us. Because here's what happens when you see God and we forget this. When you see God in his character, when you see him in his purity, when you see God for who he really is, the things of this world fade away. Some of you are looking for God to fix, but what you really should be looking for is for the things of this world to fade away in light of seeing God. Here's the first name of purity, and each beatitude has this double side. It has an eternal side, and it has a here-on-earth side, a present side. And here's the first one, to see Jesus in heaven for eternity. How many of you are excited to see Jesus in eternity? We'll get to see him. Listen to this. This is what's going to happen. We know that back in Isaiah, angels had to cover their face to see Jesus. Angels had to cover their face to, to, to see God in the Old Testament. They couldn't look at him because his glory was too bright. But listen to what, the, what will happen to the believer in Revelation chapter 22, verse 1 through 5. It's up on the screen if you need to read along with it just silently. It says, Then the angel of the Lord showed me a river with the water of life. Clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. This is after the millennium, the thousand-year reign of Christ. If you've been at Elevation, you've heard this. Um, After, there's a river. It says, on each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit. The 12 crops of fruit is for 12 months of the year, with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. Don't the nations need healing right now? It's going to happen. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and the Lamb of God will be there, and his servants will will worship him. Listen to verse 4. Here's the awesome part for purity. This is the future part in heaven for the believer. And they will see what? His face. And his name will be written on their foreheads. I don't know if that's Sharpie. I don't know what that is. But his name will be written on my forehead. He has a lot of space on this head. I can tell you that. And there will be no night there. No need for lamps or sun. See, there's no dark places here. For the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. There's this eternal nature to this beatitude that we will see God face to face. What a great thing, right? But the question is always, okay, I get that. That's for heaven. What about now? What about now? I don't know if I see God. I look over in the Middle East and I see some guys with their heads getting chopped off. I don't see God there. I look in my marriage that's falling apart. I don't see God there. I look in my family that's splintered. I don't see there. I look at my own desires and I certainly don't see God there because I'm screwing it up. Where 
is God and what's supposed to happen if I pursue purity of heart. Here's the aim of purity for the now, not the eternal. It's to see the character of God, here's a big word, come into focus. Come into focus on the earth, resulting in strengthened faith. The aim of this beatitude is that God would come a little more in focus for you each day. Not who you think he is, but who he reveals himself to be in his word that you would begin to know the character of God. Can I tell you today that God is good? Do you believe that? God is good. You may have forgotten that today because you've seen a lot of bad, because you're in a lot of pain. You may have forgotten that God is good, but he is good and he rewards those who earnestly seek him, the scriptures say. So we have to understand that the aim of purity, if we're gonna pursue purity, what's gonna motivate us to pursue purity in this life is that we can see more and more of the character of God come into focus. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Now let's talk about purity's obstacle. It's impurity. Now, as I thought about this, now we're getting into how to be pure. How is it that I purify my heart? And I was thinking about impurity, and I realized this. You can't make something more pure by just adding pure stuff to it. Here's my case in point. When I was uh, six or seven years old, my dad loves to tell this story. I was in the bathtub with my three brothers, and uh, I was one of those little kids that like did everything my parents said. When I was little, it was like, they said it, I did it, that was the end of the story. Well, my dad was very uh, confused one day when he was on the phone to see me standing next to him, tugging on his shirt as he was talking to his friend. And he would look down and say, Dave, I thought I told you to get in the tub with your brothers. And I would just look at my dad and I'd say, Daddy, no, no. And, and he's looking at me, he's saying, man, this kid never does this. And he said, I said, get in there. And I went, no, I'm not going back in there. And at this point, he started to escalate with me. He's thinking, all right, little kid, it's, it's go time. You know what I'm saying? It's go time. I said, get in there. He, he turns to his friend. He says, hey, I'm gonna have to, have to hang up in this conversation because I got a little work to do with my kids here. So he gets me, he grabs my arm. I don't even remember the story, he tells it. He brings me in the bathroom and he looks in the tub with my two younger brothers. And he goes, oh, oh, that's why you don't want to get in the tub. That's why. He looked and uh, my youngest brother at that point, Doug, had uh, left a turd <laughs> this big. Now, when I think about that, there was only one way I was getting in the tub, and that's if that thing came out of there. You know what I'm saying? Well, purity is a lot the same way. Some of us have the turd. Hear me? We have it, and it's sitting there, and you're saying, Dave, that's crass. I know. Well, there's a lot more crass stuff inside of our heart than what I'm talking about right now, right? There's some worse stuff going on on the inside of us and the people we know than what I'm talking about. But we can't just dump more purity into an impure heart. It doesn't work that way. Because any way you slice it, it's still what? Impure. It's still impure. 
And, and, and this is what Jesus is saying um, here in the Beatitude. And check this out in Matthew chapter 15, verses 18 through 20. Listen to what Jesus said about impurity and where it starts in its origin. It says, but the words you speak come from the heart, and the heart is what defiles you. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Can I tell you when it comes to purity that your heart, which is your relational element toward God, and your actions are inseparable. God is looking at both of them. He is looking at your thoughts, the things that no one knows, but he's also looking at the actions. And some of us, some of us have it nice and shiny, spit shiny clean on the outside. And when you look at our actions, everybody goes, oh, that person, that's a pure person. But inside, you haven't checked your heart for a long time. There's a lot of stuff going on in there that's not good, and it's bubbling up, and it just hasn't bubbled up to the surface yet where people can see it. And this is why, this is why, this kind of impurity is why sometimes you'll meet someone and say, I did not see their life blowing up like that. That's just beyond me. I don't understand why their life imploded. They look so good. It's because the heart side was impure. But then there's this other side where people say, hey, I'm a good person. I got it going. Yeah, I'm pretty good. But their actions are awful. We have to watch our actions so our thoughts and our relational element and our actions, they all come together to form what God is looking at when it comes to a pure heart. Here's what impurity really is. Write this down. Impurity is the result of divided loyalty. Divided loyalty. If you want to know where to start, how to clean up your heart, you may be a believer for a long time, and I can tell you that maybe you've never done this check or you haven't done it in a while. You haven't seen where your loyalties lies because here's what the beatitude, if you read Matthew chapter 5 verse 8 kind of in a what it really means kind of standard, here's what it sounds like. Blessed are those who go all in for God. They will find out that he's worth it. Blessed are those who go all in for God. They will find out that he's worth it. Another way to say this is stop doing your faith with Jesus Christ halfway. Stop. Analyze the places where you're not giving God the effort you know you could. And I'm not talking to be saved. If you're in the room and you're not a believer, there's no effort that can save you. But for those of you who have come to Christ, let me ask you, how much effort have you been putting in to become the purest of heart person you can. Here's the payoff. You'll see God. I've said halfway, but another way to say it would be half King James Bible donkey, if you know what I'm saying. Okay, some of you didn't catch that, and that's probably for the better. If you don't know what a King James Bible donkey is, just Google it. I'm sure it will come up. Um, so, we pursue God with everything. And here's how impurity is filtered out. One, we go all in. But two, it's through confession and through guardrails. Confession and through guardrails. We have to deposit God's word to, into us so that we know the guardrails in this life. Many of us keep going out of bounds and our heart gets impure because we do not put the right amount of God's word into us on a daily basis. But here's something you need to know about confession. 
Uh, this is a great topic here as Easter comes because everybody always asks me, I get questions during the week all the time. Hey, it's Lent season, right? That's what people kind of know it as. And uh, should I confess sin? Who should I confess sin to? Uh, to move forward and to get right with God. Well, I want to give you two roles of confession. One is with others. And by others, I don't mean a priest. You know what? Confessing something to me will do you no more good than confessing to some, something to someone um, who is a godly person who will help you walk closer to Jesus. But when you confess your sin to others, there's value in this. Here's what you've said. You've said, I want to see God more then I care about being ashamed in other people. In other words, I fear God more than I fear people, right? If you're afraid to tell people, but you'll tell God, what does that say about how you fear God? It doesn't say very much, right? If you'll say, well, I'm afraid to tell people because I don't know what they're gonna think of me, but I'll go tell God everything. You're saying, I don't think God will do anything to me if I tell him about my, my messed up sin. But I know people will, so I'll fear people. But the role of confession with other people is this. If you confess your sin to the right person, James 5 tells us this, that that person can save you from future sin and future hurt. Aren't you grateful for other people in your life who have helped you along the way? This is partly how we get to the place where we get a pure heart is by including others and eliminating the dark places. But here's the next place we confess to God. 1 John 1.9 is one of the greatest scriptures in all of, all of the Bible. It says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse, there's that pure heart, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that a great truth today? You see, people, confessing to people, it can't cleanse you, but what it can do is sharpen you. But when you confess to God, he holds the ability, because of his work on the cross, to cleanse us. So here's the big question. Where do I start? Where do I start? Where's the big take home? Write this down. Clean up where I need God to show up. Clean up the places you need God to show up in your life. You've been asking God, God, where are you? I'm looking for you. Here's the the good news about God. The Bible says he's omnipresent, which means he's what? Everywhere, how much of the time? All the time. If you can't see God in your situation, it's because you have an impure heart clouding the character of God in your life. Now, this is confession because confession is good for the soul. I'm confessing to you. How does that sound? I remember my first time driving in a blizzard. Now, I'm a Florida boy, a South Florida boy at that. I hadn't seen snow a day in my life, right? And uh, off, Amy and I went with our two boys that time to Cleveland, Ohio, and I remember pulling out of our apartment complex and uh, thinking, oh boy, here it goes. I mean, it's snowing, you can't see, um, but I'm going real slow. And all of a sudden, I realized I'd made a critical error driving out of the apartment complex. I didn't press the AC button. The air coming out of the car was just good old air. And as soon as I went to make my first left turn onto the road, (laughs) the windshield completely fogged up, fogged up all the way. And as I went across the road, I wasn't able to see the lines anymore. I didn't know where to turn. And on my very first turn ever in a blizzard, you can make fun of me later, I ended up in a ditch. 
I ended up in a ditch. It's the true story. But can I tell you that you're ending up in ditches because you don't see the character of God because the impure heart is fogging the glass. So here's what you have to do to maintain a pure heart. Number one, clean up daily. Clean up daily. Some of you are acting like it's the old system in Leviticus. You might only be cleaning up once a year. Some of you may be wholly dependent on church on Sunday morning that you'll clean up once a week, right? Or maybe you'll clean up once a month or twice a month. Uh, Maybe you'll clean up at small group and then you'll clean up at church and then you'll clean up when someone confronts you. That is not what Jesus died for. He died so that we could be clean, so that we could go to God and he would cleanse us every single day. Here's the next way that we clean up where we need God to show up. Clean up thoroughly. Clean up thoroughly. Here's a good question to ask if you want to be thorough. What part of you, listen to this, what part of you has been off limits to everyone? What part of you has been off limits? Is it an attitude? Is it how you treat people? Is it how you talk to people? Is it um, a pornography problem that's been off limits to everyone? Is it uh, something about uh, how you work and you've been lazy at work, but it's been off limits? No one can tell you anything about it. Maybe you've even heard people try to talk to you about something in your life, but you push them off and you create walls. Those are the places that God wants to clean thoroughly. And here's the last way we clean up where we need God to show up. We do it with the right tools. The right tools. And what does this mean? It goes back. Remember I told you that this beatitude matches blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they will be satisfied. It matches that. So we have to use the tool of the word of God and quit creating our own standards. So we clean up where we need God to what? Show up. And we clean up daily, thoroughly, and with the right tools and the right people. And so here's your question today as we come to a time of response. What area will you begin to clean up today? And here's a 1B question. This is big. Listen to this. Hear this. Where do you need God to show up in your life? Where do you need him to show up? Hey, preach it. That is the most classic moment I've ever ever encountered in a sermon. And hey, you want to know what? I feel good that if a kid is following this, hey, if you fell asleep, shame on you. Right? Yeah. Shame on you. Because there's a kid back there tracking with it. Listen. Some of you, you may be waiting for your marriage, God to clean your marriage up and desperately begging him, God, would you help us and keep us from divorce? But here's what God is saying. You got to clean up the area so you can see God work. You know what I'm saying? You got to sharpen your relationships and put those in the right place. Some of you (laughs) might be struggling because you're verbally abusive and you get angry all the time. God is saying, get some kindness in your words so that you can see God as a gentle and a meek God. Some of you are sexually impure right now and it's eating you alive and it's killing many areas of your life. You can come to know God as the one who is perfect and holy and he is pure. Do you believe that our God is pure today? 
He is pure. Maybe you're dealing with gluttony, but you realize today that Jesus satisfies. He's truly enough. Do you see, you apply this principle. You clean up where you want God to show up in your life. And if you're desperately longing for God to do something, clean the area up because blessed are the pure in heart for they, they will see God. I wanna invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. (laughs) Knowing that God's presence, as was aptly preached today from the back of the room, he's everywhere. He's here. If you'll clean it up, Jesus is faithful and just to show himself, to cleanse you. And maybe today you walked in here and you know that your whole life is a wreck. It's not just a part, but it, the whole thing is a wreck. And you know that you are far from God and you've never begun a relationship with him. Today, the part that you need to clean up can't be cleaned up by you. It can only be cleaned up by Jesus and his work on the cross. So I want to ask today, is there anyone in the room that would say, I don't just have a part But for the first time ever, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, trusting his work on the cross to cleanse me. And I want to begin a brand new, new birth relationship with Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, is there anyone that would say that today? Today, I want to begin a brand new relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you, raise your hand. For the rest of us, I want to ask you this. Maybe is there a part of you that has been sick for a long, long time? So much so, it's hard for you to say it's unclean because you just view it as a part of your character. Can I tell you today that during our response, today is the day to clean it up so that Jesus comes into focus in a way you've never imagined. Hear me, church, this is how Christians grow in their faith. Right now, I'm gonna pray. And I wanna ask you, is there anyone in the room just with hands raised that would say, Dave, I have have something that's unclean that's just eating me alive. You don't say what it is, and would you pray for me right now that I would be able to clean it up to see God? If that's you, would you raise your hand? Yeah, across the room. Is there anyone else? I have an area that's unclean that needs help. God, I want to thank you today that you make a promise that we'll be able to see you, Lord, if we'll just maintain a pure heart. God, help us to to be pure. God, help us to be pure even down to the smallest detail because we know that on the day we see you face to face in heaven, there will be no sin. Lord, and that's your goal, is that you will wash us clean until the day that we stand before you and we are completely pure. God, help us to do that. Lord, to not give up. Lord, to not let small areas go. Lord, to not let large areas go. But God, to to put ourselves up against your perfect and holy and pure standard. God, we love you very much, and we give you this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Please take a few moments to respond to today's message. If you make any decisions, email us, info at elevationbillings.com. find out more about our church, visit elevationbillings.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.